So we are halfway through our study on the Ten Commandments, and we began to look at them because we didn't want to have a whole bunch of rules that would cause us to live in fear, uh, to be afraid to uh, take a little bit of a step this way or a half of a step that way, precariously walking some um, uh, self-drawn uh, line that if we literally just, uh, we're kind of walking a tightrope, so to speak, uh, this perspective that we're uh, just wobbling back and forth, and we, if we teeter just a little bit to the right or to the left, we, we forever fall into this abyss, and there's no rescue, and, and we don't have any help from God. No, quite to the contrary. God's commandments are help. They are. They're, they, they're basically things that say, I, I love you so much that I want you to avoid these kinds of activities, and I want you to walk in these kinds of ways. And that's really what this is all about. It's, it's, it's commandments, yes, but they're blessings there. Uh, commandments to avoid doing things that will harm us and to walk in ways that will bless us. It's really just that simple. So uh, for a little bit of review, let's just go uh, talk about where we've been thus far in the last uh, five weeks prior. And commandment number one was you shall have no other gods before me. God wants to have uh, first place in our lives. Period. And he's earned the right because of what he's done for us. And only God can do the things that we need done. So he's worthy of having first place above everything uh, in all of that. That's the significance of who we worship. Commandment number two is you shall not make an idol and worship uh, that idol. Uh, and so if God's going to be first place in our lives, we're saying, hey, listen, uh, because he's first place, I want to demonstrate that uh, we're living that life. The, uh, the significance of who we worship now follows on with the significance of how we worship. The things that we do, not just from Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, but Monday through Saturday as well. Commandment number three is uh, you shall not misuse the name of God. That's the significance of words. And again, if God is first place in our lives, then we ought to Talk about him as if he is first place and not talk about him really, really sweet and kind and flowery on Sunday and then something salty and sailory. I can say that uh, any other day. Okay, that's the significance there. Um, uh, commandment number four, remember the, the Sabbath. This is the significance of rest. It's not just taking time out on a particular day to get a good nap. It's uh, resting in the confidence that God's going to take care of us and we can rely on him. It's not all up to us. And so we don't have to work seven days a week, 24 hours each of those days. No, we can rest and relax because God uh, blesses us and encourages us and, and gives to us. And then last week we talked about commandment number five, uh, honor your father and mother. This is the significance of honor. In gratitude, we honor our, our parents and other people. And in uh, living a life of honor, we are honored by others. It's really that simple. Not because we're special, not because we're amazing. It's because other people see the fact that we honor God. And so they honor us in kind. It's not sophisticated. It's actually quite simple. So this is where we make a turn. This is where we go uh, uh, into the second half of the commandments, and every one of them is listed in a negative command. Do not do this and do not do that. Now, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the significance and the intentionality of stating a command in the negative. 
And to make it quite simple, let me just come at you from the parenting perspective. Um, uh, Would you rather tell your child, uh, uh, it's good to be warm, or don't touch the burner? I mean, think about it. Heat feels good, yes. All right, makes up maybe for today. But uh, heat feels good, or if you touch that burner, you're going to hurt your hand. You see, it's in the negative that there's an abundance of clarity. There's no confusion. There's no ambiguity. God says, don't do these things in commands 6 through 10. And in in saying, don't do these things, you and I really need uh, uh, an extended amount of professional help to either justify what we want to do anyway or make a mistake. It's stated very, very plainly. Okay, and so that's, that's why these things are there. But it's not just avoiding the negative that's uh, stated in the command. It's also the blessings of the positive that we find here. So uh, in commandment number 10, it's don't covet. Don't want something that isn't yours yet. Don't lie. Don't avoid the truth or tell half-truths. Uh, don't steal. If you want things, ask God. Don't commit adultery. By the way, that is next week, and so uh, I'm going to be very direct, but uh, it's, it'll be okay if the kids are in the audience. We're going to talk about that stuff, plain and simple. And lastly, what we're talking about today, commandment number six, do not murder. Do not murder. In each commandment, there are only, uh, it's not only the blessings uh, to avoid the activities, but blessings for living in the positive. So here's the titles that we have to look forward to. Commandment number 10, do not covet. Uh, do not covet. It's the significance of being content. Commandment number nine, do not lie. The significance of being honest. Commandment number eight, do not steal. The significance of things. Commandment number seven, do not commit adultery, the significance of marriage. Good things there. Today, it's commandment number six, do not murder, and we're talking about the significance of life. It would be really easy to just simply focus on uh, the, the, the protection or the preservation of life and just leave it right at that, and we could walk into a whole bunch of contentious discussions about um, capital punishment or about abortion. I, I've definitely got opinions about any and all of those things, but that's too easy. Because in more than 25 years of, of ministry, uh, I, I've had one person in four different congregations who actually was charged and convicted of murder. All right? Does anybody have anything they want to talk about this morning? <laughs> All right. Now, I'm not talking about having done it, but what I am going to talk about is wanting to. Wanting to. And it's in that wanting to where you and I need to guard ourselves. Because let's face it, most people don't wake up and most people don't wake up and say, I'm going to end somebody's life today. But there's been more than a few parents that have said, I'm going to end your life today. (laughs) It's the wanting to that causes the problem. A well-known biblical scholar. Now, tune in on this because he says some things of substance here. 
He says this, the sum of the commandment is this, that we should not unjustly do violence to anyone. That's the underlined phrase right here, to not unjustly do violence to anyone. In order, however, that God may the better restrain us from all injury of others, he propounds one particular form of it, from which men's natural sense is abhorrent. For we detest murder, so as to recoil from those whose hands are polluted with blood, as if they carried contagion, contagion with them. He continues on, God not only forbids us to be murderers, but also prescribes that everyone should study faithfully to defend the life of his neighbor. So it is the preservation of life and the protection of life. We should not unjustly do violence to anyone. We just shouldn't do that. Now, it's really easy, as the negative command states, to declare uh, and acknowledge what violence is in the physical action. But long before the physical act take, takes place, it happens here. It happens here. And sometimes that journey is a long journey, as, as if it's a slow-burning wick to eventually get to that explosive. And sometimes that wick is very short. And so uh, the, the concern that we have is not that uh, any of us here this morning uh, are, are ready to just rise up and violently end someone's life. But what about someone's reputation? What about someone's character? What about a relationship that you have with somebody? There are a whole host of damaging things that you and I have the capacity to do if we are not in control of our senses, if we don't have command over our emotions. Listen, I get the necessity to relieve and to vent and to have an escape valve from time to time, a sounding board. But if I might just take a quick side note, that sounding board cannot be Facebook. It can't be Twitter. It just can't. Because once it's there, it's there. And if somebody wants to use it against you, oh, they will. And you will be categorized as having always felt the way that you stated on that day. And everybody has a bad moment. Everybody has a bad day. But it's just a bad moment. It's just a bad day. Okay, so you got to work it out for a little bit. But guard yourself. Guard yourself against this because sometimes it doesn't take long from saying something to doing something. 
And the reason why you don't want to necessarily post things, talk to, talk to your spouse, talk to your friend, talk to a good neighbor who understands you, who knows you, who will allow you to just say it and get it out there and then, and then look at you and cause you to say, man, I, I really don't want to do anything. I was just mad. And now I'm done. It's really important. And long before the guy that I read from a minute ago was John Calvin, long before John Calvin came up with it, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5. Message version, you're familiar with the command, do not murder. I'm telling you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. What? Carelessly call a brother idiot and you may find yourself in court. Thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister and you're on the brink of hellfire. The simple fact is that words kill. They kill. They kill. They kill dreams. They kill hope. They kill security. They kill uh, the opportunity just to ask a simple question. The opportunity for relationships, for friendships, they kill. And there are things that can be said to a 10-year-old that can stick with them even beyond 60 or 70. You know that because you felt it. You've heard it. And you wish you never had. Now, this is a significance here. When Jesus says what he says in Matthew chapter 5, I was thinking about this, and I've used this phrase uh, before in describing what he said. I used to say that Jesus raised the bar of the significance of the law here. And I began to think, no, Jesus didn't raise the bar at all. We lowered it. We lowered it by saying, hey, listen, at least I didn't kill him. I said stuff that ruined their reputation. I, I, I stated things that completely and, and quite possibly irreparably harmed a relationship, but they're not dead. No, Jesus is rightly warning us that it isn't too far a journey from saying things that wound people to doing things that wound people. It's really not. And before we even go so far as to blame someone else who might have said something to us or about us, let's just simply start with us, period. Let's start with Shan looking at Shan's heart, Shan looking at Shan's mind, you looking at your heart, you looking at your mind and saying, I don't want to be angry. I don't want to have this emotion that will lead to that. And if you're a parent, of all the things you have the capacity to pass on, let it not be some of the things we're going to talk about just right here. Because I want to, I want to look at the emotions that precede the actions that end the kinds of things I want to talk about. 
In anger, firstly, we kill relationships. In anger, we kill relationships, but it's in forgiveness where they're restored. It's the first thing that Jesus talks about. The very first thing. You've heard it said this, but I tell you. Happens all the time. We say things we don't mean. And sometimes we even say things we do. Because we've been thinking about it and letting it stir our minds and our hearts up for so long that just like we've said a couple weeks ago, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Is the abundance of my heart Anger is the abundance of your heart. Anger. A few years ago, there was a powerful uh, television story of the, uh, uh, the ancient uh, story by uh, Homer, the Odyssey. And uh, the, the main character, Odysseus, had a son. And a lot of bad things, to just kind of uh, sidestep the whole thing, there's a lot of bad things that happened in, Od- in Odysseus' life. And his son was really, really angry about it. And when Odysseus came home, uh, there was a scene where his son was so full of rage, he was going to act out, and it wasn't the right time, and it wasn't the right place, and it wasn't the right way. And his, and his father screams out at him, It's easy to be angry! Isn't it? Isn't it? Jerry Springer has not left a good mark on our culture. We smile while sitting on the couch. But deep inside, we wouldn't accept that behavior from anybody we know, and we better not accept that behavior from ourselves. It's too easy to be angry. One of the reasons is because in our separated digital culture, we can just be angry apart from one another and not see the impact, the stain of pain that messes with all of us. I wonder how long it takes for anger to turn to hate. I wonder how long it takes for, ang- uh, for the anger we think to turn into the words that we say. And I, wa- long how- I wonder how long it takes for something said in anger to turn into something done in anger. Like Jesus said, words kill. Husbands say things to wives. Wives say things to husbands. Children say things to parents. Parents say things to children. Classmates say things to one another. People who work together say things to one another. And it's just too much. We forget that God, who's really the only one who has the righteous position to say anything and to be righteously angry, actually forgave us. He forgave us. And so because of that reality, because of that very clear, very powerful, very personal position that he's taken with us, we get to take it with us. You say, but you don't understand. You don't understand what he said. You don't understand what she did. God says, what? 
Remember what Jesus said on the cross? Shan's paraphrase version. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They just don't. We just don't. In anger, we kill relationships. But in forgiveness, they're restored. That's not the only thing that we can do to others. If we kill relationships in anger, I was thinking that we can kill reputations in envy. Envy or jealousy is ruthlessly vicious. Vicious. Someone wants a position in a business and someone else has it. That person's marriage, that person's children, that person's social life is all fair game. Family members talk about one another. Classmates talk about one another. Teammates talk about one another. And people in church talk about one another. Okay, so you don't like the word envy. You'll just stick with anger. Reputations still are slaughtered. Think about the uselessness. Just think about the uselessness of the words that are spoken. Not one half of an ounce of good comes from any of it. Not one. And uh, there's rarely anything but evil that comes from that. And we will say or write those things. I've known more than one person who uh, in jealousy or anger or a combination, some weird combination of the both, will begin typing out an email or, or a post somewhere and send it not realizing that it went to the very person that he or she was talking about. Only to have uh, 30 seconds later uh, this horrible terror come over them. Oh no! They're going to see what I wrote! What do I do now? Where was that terror 30 minutes ago while writing? Is it impersonal because it's on the screen? No, not at all. In envy, we kill reputations. But in happiness, we just simply confirm them. Somebody gets a raise, just be happy for them. The same way you'd want them to be happy for you when you get yours. Somebody, the neighbor gets a new car. The neighbor's son gets on the team. Somebody gets a different job. Just enjoy. Celebrate with them. Sometimes it's hard. And you wonder, and it's okay. Listen, separate the wonder that you might have with God. God, you know, I've been praying about wanting something or God, I've been praying about needing this and, 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 and I'm looking at what I need and, and I'm looking at what they have and God, I'm wondering why. Yeah, listen, sometimes I get that, but let that not cross over into 
envy against them. Because you have no idea what God's already doing on your behalf. You have no idea how he's already laying, putting the blocks in order, the ducks in a row, if you allow me to continue to use that metaphor, so that he's going to bless you and honor you. But listen, if you're envious of somebody else, God walks up and says, look what I've got for you. And, you, and sometimes we actually have the gall to say, yeah, but look what you gave them. Are you kidding me? What happens is the effort to destroy somebody else's reputation is actually a self-destructive one. We ruin our own. But it's not just damage that we do to others. Sometimes it's the emotions that damage ourselves as well. We talked about anger that kills relationships and envy that kills reputation. In worry, we kill rest. <laughs> I, uh, it's kind of interesting. There's some people here that have uh, sent some Facebook posts out that have talked about insomnia. And what's interesting is other people that I know in other churches and other places can't sleep tonight worrying. I know I shouldn't, but I just do. Have you just talked to God a little bit? You know, when I, and I do that, and I just say, God, I, I, can't, I, I just can't. I, I'm not, I don't know what tomorrow has. I'm not sure um, uh, if everything that I'm worried about is, is going to be okay. Do you know, I, good grief, my youngest daughter, I, I, I was going to, I was this close to saying I just want to kill her. Um, uh, uh, my youngest daughter, she sends a, a text out this morning, another earthquake on the island, but that's okay, I'm all right. as if I could stop the earth from shaking. Think about that. Think about it. If I were there, I'd fix it. Because Gorilla Glue can do anything. Think about that. Think, I mean, think about it. Here I am fussing when God was taking care of my daughter before I even knew she was going to exist. God has things planned out for her that I might actually be a hindrance for if I start fussing over and say, don't do this, honey, don't do that. And God's taking care of Kendall, but I'll be really glad when she gets home on Wednesday. All that fussing, all that worrying, And Jesus wisely said it. He asked the simple question. And it's not a sophisticated one in any way, shape, or form. And it can be asked of anyone, anywhere, at any time, in any circumstance of life. It's this. How many of you, by worrying, can add one hour to your life? And the irony in his question is the fact that we actually lose it when we worry because we're so busy and and hyper-focused on what might happen that we're not actually living in the moment that we're at 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 that point. And we squander it. We lose sleep, we lose strength, we lose confidence and more. But if we were confident, not in our own abilities, assuredly, but more in what God has always done for us. So many of us have a track record, a testimony that we could say, look what God did. We just forgot. 
the, the, the burden, the worry overwhelmed us so much that we just said, I, uh, I'm not sure if he can do this. And we know better. In worry, we kill rest, but in confidence, we can sleep well. We can sleep well. Lastly, if we kill rest and worry, we kill reality with fear. We kill reality with fear. It's not that sophisticated. It's really not. This past week, my other daughter, Taylor, we were FaceTiming, and she was laughing at herself. I love that girl. She, she's my sweet one. She's my tender-hearted one. She said she was driving down the road on her way to work, and uh, the praise music was on, and she was just laughing and, and thinking about all the good things God had done, and she's in the middle of a great song when all of a sudden there's a spider that crawls across the dash. And I'm telling you, in about two seconds, it didn't matter how good or how strong or how powerful God was. There was a tiny spider on the dash, and hell was going to break through really, really quick. (laughs) She actually, I think the exact quote was, I don't know how I did it, but I was able to get to work. It's a little, it's a little spider. A little spider. The fact of the matter is that spider's probably been in that car for a long time. And you know the worst part about it? Wasn't the fact that the spider crawled across the dash. When she finally got out of the car, she went to look for the spider, and it was gone. (laughs) And so what's she going to think about? Where's that spider? So we've got worry and fear combined together. It's all over. Right? Right? Now think about it. Think about the, I, I can't remember the percentage of things that, uh, off the top of my head that this just came to, I, there's, a, there's like a greater than 85% chance, like above 90, if I, if I remember accurately, that all the things that we worry about never, ever happen. All the things that we're afraid of never come to pass. They just don't. And yet, If in fear we kill reality, what's the reality that we kill? That God's got us. He always has. He's always taking care of us. He's always providing for us. He's always watching out for us. And when we walk in ways that please him, he guards us. And it's just like you and I, when we parent our kids and we say, hey, listen, I don't want you to go over there. And and when the child obeys, everything's good. But when the child goes to that one place and gets hurt, what do we say? Didn't I tell you not to do that? I, want, I didn't just want you to uh, not get hurt. I want you to live a life that, that, that is encouraging and courageous and, and, and understands and trusts me when I say, do these things and you're going to be blessed. That's exactly what Jesus said in the end. When it's all said and done in John chapter 10, listen to what he says. I came so that they, that's you, I came so that they have real and eternal life. Real life here, eternal life there, healthy life here, healthy life there, real life, joyous life, good life, godly life. I came that they have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. That's why Jesus came. 
That's why the significance of life is not just in avoiding one particular activity, but the significance of life is saying, God, I'm counting on you. There are times when I'm weak and and, and I doubt things, but forgive me when I do because sometimes I'm overwhelmed by my own weakness and I forget your power. But right here, right now in this moment, I'm remembering how good you are, how gracious you are, how powerful you are, how honest and faithful you are every day of my life. And because I know that, God, I'm going to watch the words that I say to and about other people. Because the fact of the matter is, I sure hope they're not saying things about me. And I can pretty much preserve that if I live a life that honors you. I forgive people when they say things about me so that when I stumble, they'll forgive me. And God, I don't want to worry anymore and I don't want to have the fear anymore because you've always taken care of me. You've always provided for me. And that is is why, God, I'm saying to you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Each week when we gather together, we celebrate the life that Jesus has given us. If you know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you've confessed his name, you've repented of sin, you've been baptized into Christ, and you're living for him, then communion is a time when you can remember what God has given to you. You say, Shan, I'm I'm not sure about those things. Well, well, listen, in just a few minutes when we're done, you can come talk to me about what it means to, to follow Jesus, having now found him. And, 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 and wanting to place your life in his care so that fear and, and anger don't overwhelm you the way that they used to. But when we come together and we uh, take communion together, we're remembering the life that Jesus has given to us and the hope that he's given to us. And not fear, but power. And not anger, but joy. That's why we gather together. This small piece of bread represents the body of Jesus that was nailed to the cross for my sin and for your sin. This cup represents the blood that was shed on that cross for my sin and for your sin. And so we don't uh, remember this uh, uh, embarrassingly, but we remember it gratefully, thankfully. God, thank you so much for taking away my anger. Thank you so much for taking away my fear. And in remembering you, help me to live a life that pleases you so that not only you'll watch over me, but others will see what's going on in my life and they'll want to know why I have the hope and the joy that I have. And I can't wait to say it's because of Jesus. In just a minute, the guys are going to come and they're going to pass these trays. Remember those things. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for loving us the way that you do. Lord, there are so many days that we just shake our heads and we think that we're not lovable and no one would really care, but you always have and you always do. You love us when we're dirty. You love us when we're mouthy. You love us when we're angry. You love us when we're afraid. 
And as we've come to see how gracious and merciful that you are, Lord, we're just overwhelmed. We're so thankful. It's in that mindset, Lord, that we ask you to bless us. We ask you to encourage us. We ask us to, we ask you to keep us honest and forthright as we do our best to love you and live for you. We remember what Jesus did for us and how he asked you to forgive us because we just didn't know what we were doing. But as we come here today, we know, we know that we love you. We know that we're thankful for all that you do for us. And we know that living a life for you is the best that we can possibly do. So help us, God. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.